Bullshitters, it's Baron. Welcome back, or welcome for the first time, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever time this is for you, numerically, in your existence, to another episode of Deep Shit. I don't exactly know how you would diagram the sentence I just said. Ah, just life. Anyway, um, today's episode is with comedian Ryan Singer. Ryan is a very funny gentleman that I've been seeing around Los Angeles a lot. Uh, You may have heard his name before, and if you haven't, you should hear more about him. He has an album on iTunes and has another one coming out very soon, so check him out, Ryan Singer. And um, we're becoming uh, becoming pretty good friends. We've got, I think we've got some similar tastes in terms of our stand-up comedy, and I really enjoy what he does on stage, and apparently he really enjoys what I do on stage. So, (laughs) ain't that something? People like each other sometimes. It's crazy. Anyway, we're becoming friends, which is cool. I uh, I have been um, pursuing male friendships lately. I was telling somebody about it the other day. It's just I didn't realize that I've been doing it, but I am seeking out other dudes that I like being around. Generally, I don't really like other men um, in so many different ways. Uh, I don't like the company of men a lot of the times. I don't like what men talk about. I don't like how men act. <laughs> I'm an anti-guy guy in a lot of different ways, but I'm finding that there are guys like me who just kind of like to talk about deep shit, if you will, and not, what's up with that girl's pussy? Which, you know, sometimes that's a that's a good subject for a conversation, but every conversation, when I don't even know what your name is, not so much. Anyway, Ryan Singer is not one of those people. He is a very uh, sensitive, thoughtful gentleman, and uh, I appreciate him. <laughs> oh, man. that's This sounds so ridiculous. Uh, a friend of mine a long time ago, a comedian in New York named uh, Brett Anderson, uh, used to have a joke about, what do you say when you like spending time with another dude, like as a straight man? You know, you can't be like, hey, man, we just uh, we get others' jokes. We get each other's jokes, and I like being around you, dude. I want to see you more. It's just an interesting sort of, male psyche situation anyway i don't know what the hell i'm talking about uh but i'll tell you this what our subject today was is consideration and um consideration in in two different senses the universal sense of consideration like considering having some consideration for the situation that you're in and the people around you and how you fit into existence is that a way to say it and then the other one is just um, being mindful of other people you know um, just being considerate as a uh, a quality you know as a uh, a piece as a as a means of your demeanor jeez i'm just not using words well today tonight to whenever this is you'll never know um yeah, so Ryan and I sat down about it, and uh, this is the first real conversation we've ever we've, we've ever had. <laughs> this is the first real conversation we've ever had, um, and I think that we found a good rhythm. About uh, halfway through, you know, we kind of uh, learned how to talk to each other. So that's the uh, the underlying layer of this podcast is two guys learning how to talk to each other and understanding each other's rhythms and i think by the end of the podcast we kind of hit a groove and uh, we had some good talkings after the podcast which i guess you guys will never hear that's just going to be between me and him a couple announcements as you know i have joined the all things comedy 
uh, podcast network or ATC. So I want to plug a couple things that are kind of cool. Um, two of my favorite comedians have podcasts that are joining ATC. Uh, Mr. Tom Rhodes with the Tom Rhodes podcast and Jackie Cation's Dork Forest uh, podcast I've done uh, before. She's awesome. Uh, one of my favorite comedians and the Dork Forest is a great uh, uh, podcast and those two podcasts will now be on ATC. Uh, a couple comedy CDs coming out. Ari Shafir and Tom Segura. Ari Shafir has a podcast called The Skeptic Tank and uh, his CD is called Revenge of uh, Revenge for the Holocaust. Uh, I want to see Revenge of the Holocaust, like the Holocaust is a thing that's back, and it wants revenge, which makes no sense. But instead, it's revenge for the Holocaust, because he's a Jew, and his stand-up finally is uh, making up for all the horrible things that happened. No? Does that make any sense? Uh, but it's funny, and he's a funny, very funny, funny, very funny, very, 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 very funny guy. I don't know why I turned into an Andy Kaufman character right there. And um, Tom Segura uh, has a podcast, Your Mom's House. With his wife Christina Pajitsky. Uh I do not know the name of Tom's album. I'm well researched, but Tom is an incredible comedian. I just recently saw him at uh, Ryan Stout, another comedian who's very funny, who I'll have on the podcast soon. I saw Tom Segura at Ryan Stout's birthday show at the Improv, which was just a jam-packed show of hard hitter after hard hitter, and Tom delivered the goods like the professional comedian he is. Uh, also, Bill Burr, one of the patron saints of ATC, has a book called Cheat, A Man's Guide to Infidelity. Mm, sounds interesting. And uh, Al Madrigal, the gentleman who asked me to join this whole shindig, uh, is taping an hour special in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas, which is one of the best comedy towns in this country with some of the best comedy audiences. He's doing that October 25th at the Moody Theater and if you go to his uh, website, Al Madrigal, that's Madrigal, M-A-D-R-I-G-A-L, uh, dot com, then you will find info for those tickets. All right, announcements. Never done those before. Not in this sense. How'd I do? How's my announcements? Call 1-800-YOU-SUCK-BARON. <laughs> Here's Ryan. <laughs> So how long have you lived in Los Angeles? A little over a year now. And you've been on the road a lot, right? Yeah, about most of the time. I'd say 70% of the time that I've lived here so far, I've been on the road. Oh, yeah? Maybe 60, 70%. That's, that's the same Same for me. Are you leaving yeah. soon or what? No, I'm here for the rest of the year as of now. What? Really? I mean, kind of not by choice, but I just kind of stopped booking stuff. I mean, because I book all my own stuff. And oh, I just, okay. I think I just hit a wall on it. I don't know what happened. I, I just You hit a wall on just traveling? or I just... I mean, I couldn't even send out an email. Like, that seemed like too much work. <laughs> so I also like the idea of being here in town and, and getting around more. Yeah, and then, like, people get to see you more and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. That's supposed to lead to something. Yeah, it's supposed to lead to something. So uh, they you know, said. S- lead to a team being built. Uh, a Ryan right, Singer right, a creative team. team. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, so team, my, my team said. Because the reason I'm here is to build a Ryan Singer team. Mm. So The Ryan Singer trio. Yeah, so that's – so I don't mind being here the rest of the year. Well, what are you – are people, like – talking for you like people that you know that have a team being like hey this guy like is looking for a team you know what i don't, th- I don't know for if, you i don't know if that's happening 
I haven't asked anyone to do that. You gotta ask. I guess I have to ask. Why? I'm bad at asking for things. Oh. But I like being. I like someone saying, "Hey, you need to have this. I'm gonna help you get this." As opposed to me, "Hey, give me this." But then I have to get over that. So I have you... asked for help in certain situations. But what 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 is, what is it that you think is is happening when you ask for something? You're perceiving something outside. I'm perceiving of it. that I'm taking advantage of our friendship. Oh, okay. Uh, and that you want it to be more than that. Like you're not just a, yeah, like, oh, I see why you're friends with me because you think I can do stuff for you. So what, how long are you friends with somebody before you <laughs> ask them to do stuff for you? Before they're like, uh, it's been six months. I we guess. have to bleed together. Is the, Oh, uh, OK. We have to either bleed together, have a near death experience together. Oh, uh, bond over something traumatic or tragic in our lives that we both share. You know, it's really easy to make that happen. If you grease the right palms, you know what? That's hire a, the that's right actually, people. Yeah, yeah. But then I can't afford to do that kind of stuff until mm-hmm. I've got a team, which I need them to get me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, they say you got to spend some money to make some money. Yeah. You know, that's, I like that in Vegas. That's, that's, that's what I go that's by. Dollar hometown. in a dream. That's, that's my hometown. That's right. Yeah. So I just, I'm spending my emotional money to, I don't even know what this metaphor is going towards. But yeah. this kind of leads into what may be the subject of this talk. Because when I asked you what it is, a uh, theme that you're coming back to a lot, you said, uh, well, I'll let you explain it. I'm trying to make that a catchphrase. I don't know if it'll, it's not going to, it's not taking. Well, I'll let you explain it? That? Yeah. Okay. When I let you explain what it is that your theme is. Oh, consideration. Yes. Well, what, is, what does that mean to you? What is consideration? Consideration means a lot of things to me. Well, but mainly what it means, it. Right. mainly the big, the big umbrella of consideration to right. me is is just spend a minute and think about something. Um, consideration is taking some time, um, being invested fully in the big picture. Hmm. That's what consideration is. The big picture, the big umbrella of consideration to me is the big picture. Um, consider the big picture. So many people in stand-up comedy, I think, are led down a path of bitterness right. um, and talking trash because they're not considering the big picture. When I'm 20, I'm over 10 years into stand-up comedy. Right. By the time I'm 25 years into stand-up comedy, I better be successful. I better have everything I want, because that's the master level. Hmm. Okay. To me, 25 years is master level year. If, if I don't have everything that I think I should be uh, having at that point, mm-hmm. as far as you know, you know, watermarks of success or getting better at 25 years in, then it, maybe I'll start to wonder like, okay, what am I, what, what's, what's wrong? Well, here? what do you, what do you, what, what does that mean though? Like ha- you better have everything that you, well, there's no like, or I'll quit. There's no, there's but there no, are certain, there are certain markers you said. Yeah. Like there are certain markers. Well, one of the, one of the good ones is not having to worry about rent two months out. Okay. That's a good one. I won a fantasy baseball league, uh, two weeks ago. You won one. I won one. So and that covered your rent. That covered my rent for November. <laughs> And it was a big one. I mean, it was a hundred bucks to get in, and there was there was ten people in it. So I mean, I won a, a oh. decent amount of money. But wow. Um, but that that's part of not being on the road and being here, right? To be around town more. Um, so I've considered that. I have. I did consider. Oh, I'm going to be a lot more broke than I normally am. Okay. But what's the trade off? What's what's you know, what do you get for that cost? Right. You're right. Paying right. something. What are you getting in return? I totally misinterpreted. Um, consideration well well there's well consideration also means just being considerate yeah see that's what i was thinking but you're you're talking about thinking about yeah yeah kind of the the micro macro sort of thing you're you're talking about like being learning what's in a situation and how you fit into it right Mm -hmm. 
how you fit into the bigger picture. You could even substitute the word universe for situation there. Uh-oh. Because for me, no matter... I really try to... I really try to... I'm not good at that. I mean, I'm, I'm getting better at it, but yeah. I'm not an expert. But every time I get really fired up or depressed, I just try to sit in my chair in the Milky Way galaxy and look down and be like, what are you getting so upset about? Because sit in your chair. Okay, so you mean like look outside of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, just lo- and just look down on like what small thing am I so wrapped up in okay. that's causing me all this anxiety, anger, uh, sadness, fear, right. uh, doubt, what, or self-doubt especially. Yeah. Um, and it's, well, okay, just take a, ooh, bring yourself out of it. Yeah, like be outside of yourself and look how silly this is. Okay, all right. And you, you usually know. see it for silly or? Well, yeah, it's, it's always silly. See, you know, I... I had a conversation, I mean, last week I had a conversation with uh, Kanane about some financial stuff, mm-hmm. and then I talked to a friend of mine who listened to that podcast, and I was talking about the check-to-check mentality, and that it's not even just a lifestyle as much as it is just, it's a way of seeing things. It's sort of, it's sort of a blanket on the big picture, that it's like, this is how I see things, mm-hmm. and it leads you to be a check-to-check kind of person. So she said, well, why don't you try seeing it a different way, which is something I've heard many, 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 many a time, right? Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean anything beca- to me because that, that is like a surface thing. If I haven't, to me, connected it to what I believe is the personal MO that I have or the perspective that I have on the world or myself in it that makes me act in this way, then it doesn't take. Because I've tried doing that all these different times, like being, quote, unquote, financially responsible, but it doesn't connect to anything. I don't see it as because she said, well, why don't you you don't you don't you don't see the value in taking care of yourself. And I like, oh, ho, ho. I, you didn't say anything about taking care of yourself. Do so you, you need consequence? Are you a consequence guy? Do consequences teach you lessons? Lessons? Like- yes and no. But if, if it's if it's a consequence that I, I, I see as a, a given, that's different. Like a consequence, like, oh, I have control over how this is going to go. But if I see it as like, no, nah, it's just going to go this way no or matter what I do. Inevitability, I guess. I, I, I yeah. see it as an inevitability, some of these consequences. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a big thing, seeing the difference between inevitabilities and consequences. Because one is you have control over. Yeah. And one is you don't have control over. And I tend to um, dwell on things I believe I have no control over and sometimes not take charge for the things that I I do have actual control over, but um, I'm now I'm forgetting how I was connecting this back <laughs> to what we were talking. Well, we're talking about, about finances. Yeah, and but it's 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 just talking about. Oh, you were talking about like sitting in the chair of the universe yeah. and looking down. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like I the way that I solve my personal problems is when I when I kind of dig into the DNA of them. I I, I Watson and Crickham, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and. Uh, I don't think I've uh, anyone's ever used that as a as a verb. I watch I watch it and quick my emotional DNA, and I try to see. Oh ho, ho, too many ribonucleic acids. I know this isn't. I know this is off topic, but I'm still laughing about Miriam Webster. Oh okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm glad you like that joke. Oh that's... my god. I, no, that's not even. That's not even fair. What you just said. What? I love that joke. Okay. Hey. That is so great. Thanks, Rising. So at Rising, that's R R Y S I. No, I think it is important to think when it comes to finances for me, I consider finances right. um uh, I'm very I'm very irresponsible financially. Uh, oh, okay. what most people would consider to be irresponsible. I mean, I have a lot of <laughs> I have a lot of debt that I just have totally ignored for years. Yeah, same here. Um, that's it's exactly one of those right. things where I just realized the other day I can't get mad at people who 
who have blind faith in like their religion because I have such blind faith in myself that someday I'm going to have all this money. Like someday Jesus financially will come back in my world. Ah. Right. That, um, I'm just waiting for that monetary Easter. Yeah. I'm just waiting for that day to happen. And, um, and that's when, Oh, that's when I'll worry about all that stuff when I have money and I can worry about it or when I can, you know, deal with or handle it then. But it's to me, I'm, I've always believed that money is just, I don't get excited about money. At yeah, all. Yeah. I understand if I had children and I had someone to think about, like, after I was gone right. that needed to be cared for, mm-hmm. maybe that I'm, sh- I'm certain it would change right. my mentality about money. But I, I consider money to be one of the most meaningless things other than it gets me food. It gets me to where I need to get. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I, I don't really do a lot of stuff. I never go see movies. Okay. Because it costs money. Right. Um, I mean, if I write, had money, I'd probably do more stuff. You could totally write it off. I know, I totally could, but I, <laughs> I can't even justify it in my brain. Okay. I've been living on the brink of financial ruin for so long that I'm just, year by year, I'm doing less and less stuff that costs money. Mm. And you don't think that you kind of paint yourself to a, an isolated corner? No, I do have to force myself to go out and be a people person. Because that's a, that, one of my closest friends, I, I, I described it as a very New York problem because she lives in Brooklyn. But she was broke, so she couldn't go do things. Mm-hmm. And then New York became miserable. That always happens. If you're sitting in your apartment because you're afraid to go out, because if I go out, I'm going to drink. That costs money. I might eat something. That costs money. It costs money to take the train. And you start adding all that stuff together, and then you just, in a way, like bully yourself into being alone. Yeah, yeah. Then you're just sitting there. But you're saying that you're forcing yourself to get out. Yeah. Oh, I do stuff. Mm-hmm. I do stuff that doesn't cost money. I well, go, I'm seeing you around more and yeah. more. Yeah, I go to the mountain a lot. I do a lot of hiking. I'm um, sorry, the mountain? It. The mountain. It's oh, this okay. Place. It's a, I go hiking on this mountain and uh, by my apartment in Glendale at Brand Park. And it's there's like, I just found a new path. I've been hiking this mountain for a year, and I just found a new path the other day. And it was the most exciting <laughs> It was the most exciting moment. That sounds like a really spiritual thing. It's like, it is. It's, it's the same journey, but a new path. Yeah, it's, you know, because we're all climbing this mountain of show business. So it's like, every time I want to quit, mm-hmm. I just tell myself, whoa, what? Comedy's hard. Why don't you quit that too? And I'm like, okay, I'll keep going. <laughs> and I just keep going. I'm just like, okay, I'll just keep going. And uh, So your judges have become cheerleaders in a lot of ways. Yes. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't even understand that. And sometimes it's, but when I start seeing the shadow people, that's when I turn around. That's just too hot. That's when, like, you start having, like, your vision starts to get a little blurry and, like, you see, like, flashes of, like, darkness because you're you're getting a little dehydrated. You're talking about just, like, actual physical, like, strain from hiking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I thought you meant, like, a metaphorical shadow But they manifest themselves. That's what I call them. I call them the shadow people. When the shadow people start showing up, I better turn around or or start bringing water. (laughs) Uh, You don't don't consider the water until you're, I do sometimes. I do sometimes. If I know I'm going all the way to the top. Which is about there and back mm-hmm. uh, from my apartment because I'll run up to there or whatever and then come back. Um, it's about probably seven miles. Oh, okay. Well, you know who else has been to the mountaintop? <laughs> <laughs> a knowing smile of recognition goes. Well, across. it's funny because when I was a kid, I thought I was a prophet. You know? Oh, you did? Yeah, I thought. Um, I thought it went Moses. Jesus and then Ryan Singer from Dayton, Ohio. Like I thought I was really well. My grandma had convinced me that. Um, that I was really special and I thought I was special anyway. And so I thought I was going to be like this chosen leader of, of God's church and his army because she told me that the end of the Jesus would come back before she died. She's been dead for about a year now. Oh, okay. um, so you think, yeah. So it's, 
I mean, maybe the world did end and we just haven't accepted it yet. Right. Somebody said that about the, uh, what was it? The, uh, oh my God, what was it called? That thing that happened. Oh, the, uh, oh, the rapture. The rapture. And then just no one got raptured. And no one got raptured <laughs> that we were left behind. Someone had a joke Everyone about got that. left behind. Yeah, exactly. It's like some people, you know, are gone. We're still here. So yeah. the rapture happened. Even babies turn into total dickheads because exactly. they were all left <laughs> Ah, oh, this baby! Ugh, punch me in the face. Um, nah, that's 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 the best my brain could do right there. Okay, it's like okay, dickhead baby. What do dickheads do? Punch people in the face. Yeah, and what is a baby? A baby. How about I put those things together? A this baby, baby punched me in the face. That was my brain working on freaking so many cylinders. Um, anyway, back to this thing, this idea about like uh, consideration in terms of that, like you you look at yourself. So you have this kind of self-reflection and self-awareness that you've been working on, cultivating. Yeah, it's been a couple years in the making. I Mm -hmm. used to be a really bitter, not bitter, but I was negative. Oh, you can't be funny unless you're angry and depressed and sad and, you know, and lashing out. Um, Right. Do you think that I I have this theory, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but a comedian – who will remain nameless, not that I'm going to say anything uh, disparaging about him. Um, I remember running into him at a show here in L.A. like years ago. And um, he, I asked him how he was, which is the wrong question. Because I could see that he was distraught, just in in general. Like, hey, how you doing? Like, that was going to, like, he was going to go, oh, fine. It's the wrong question to ask a comedian who's in the midst of being distraught. Because they've been waiting for that question. How are you doing? Well, here's life right they're just gonna lay it out and he said something about how he had this realization that all these comedians he aspires to be like are awful people and that he's busting his ass to become awful and what does that mean he is wow that's what he said to me before the show (laughs) in the first that was his response to how are you doing right wow but ever since then i've thought about this what seems to be a bit of a phenomenon in comedy in that comedians are chasing authenticity and it seems like there's a lot of manufactured issues because of this what you just said i feel like i'm seeing a lot of comedians you know what really gets me upset yeah i feel like i i, I see yeah, a lot of comedians of yeah. chasing anger and chasing rage and dysfunction in order to become funnier because all the people they love had those things. But it's a different generation. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. And I understand when anger about very small things mm-hmm. stems from a bigger issue about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, say someone is really angry about advertising. Yeah. And so then that will, st- that will branch off into being getting really upset on stage about a very specific advertisement over something that's very meaningless that they might not even use in their life. Right. I can get that. But um, – the quest for authenticity is interesting because when you aspire to be some of these great comedians, mm-hmm. which we all have, you know, we were all inspired. Yes, of course. By someone. Uh, I think the key is trying to be as good as you can be yourself. Right. And then when you, for me, I don't know, it was probably a few years ago, it clicked over for me where I'm just going to be myself. And if it's not, and if, and if it's not, if I'm not a cool comic or if I'm not a hip comic mm-hmm. or... Uh, whatever that means, whatever that means, Mm -hmm. that's fine. I'm just going to be me and it doesn't matter what other people think. Like the comedians, I really, it it sounds like the simplest. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just going to be me. It sounds like the simplest realization ever, but it's the hardest thing to get to. I always, I, here's the thing. I get everything I want. 
Eventually. Jesus. Okay. Right? Eventually. It man- you manifest it. Yeah. Eventually, you I Eckhart end up, Tola yeah, it. I don't get it necessarily when I want it, okay. but I eventually will get it because um, I don't stop. You just don't stop, and you're going to get what you want. I mean, within reason. Okay. You know? um, so there were – I've had certain you know, good breaks in my career mm-hmm. that if they would have happened five years earlier, I wouldn't have been ready for them. Right, right. I totally would have blown it because if they would have went a different way, it would have affected me totally. Like if one of the comedians I really aspired um, to be like mm-hmm. or or to have his kind of like authenticity or success that I really admired, if he wouldn't have liked me earlier on in my career, if said, oh, I just don't really think you're funny, it would have destroyed me. I would right. have been like, oh, I, I can't do comedy because this one person doesn't think I'm funny. One of your heroes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but now, even if one of my heroes wouldn't like me, mm-hmm. I could handle it. Mm. It would still. It would. I wouldn't like it. Yeah, you know, it would burn. Like, it burn a little. It bit. would burn for sure. It would burn, but it wouldn't make me quit doing comedy. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just not. I'm just not his or her style. That's fine. Yeah, I had a similar thing, and every now and then I think about it a little too much. <laughs> Where <laughs> one of my heroes saw me in San Francisco, and uh, was very nice to me after the show, but uh, I just think he doesn't care for what I do. Now, is it because you know he doesn't care for what you do, or you just kind of put piece it together with some context clues? I, I I pieced it together, but see, that's the 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 problem is I can't tell how much of it is based on fact and fiction anymore yeah. because it's I was looking for these things to be true in a way where it's like I I don't know why I desperately wanted this person's approval because he's one of my heroes, he's one of my favorite comics, and then um, he saw me do a long set. And he was very nice afterwards, shook my hand, but didn't say anything in specific. Never said, man, you're really funny. I really enjoy N- it. Yeah. No, and, I guess we very know. We good, know very speak. good okay. is very different than very funny. Yeah. Very funny is, I think you're funny. Uh-huh. Very good is, people enjoyed you tonight. Yeah. I don't, oh, I don't yeah. myself. So I, I fixated on like, oh, but then also the person might just not be a compliment person. I don't know. I've never heard him There's say so many about factors anybody. that can go into it. They could not be a compliment person. Mm-hmm. They could have had the worst day of their life. Right. They could have uh, been totally preoccupied with other things happening. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, they, you know, and also I once opened for this guy in New York, and after a show, you know how sometimes I don't know why. And if you're an audience member and you're listening, please stop doing what I'm about to say. A show isn't a competition. Oh my gosh! I know we're not in competition say. with each other about who's supposed to be the best and who's supposed to not be. Yeah. But after this show in New York, I was standing by the door after I came out, and this girl was like, "You're the best." Which I'm like, "Okay, thanks," but I that's not especially when it's like I'm, we're talking about like I just opened for one of my heroes here who I respect and admire. So it makes me think you're even stupider. Yes. That you think I'm better than someone I'm trying to be like. Right. But at that moment, the door opened and he came out and he did this kind of mock like shock thing. And she said, except for you. And I, and every, every now and then I go back to that moment like, does he think I was soliciting that? Does he think I was? Oh, does he like think fishing? I was? Yeah. Does he think I was like, yeah. Was I the best, though? Was I yeah. the best? I should be. I should be. I should have been headlining. You, like, someone should, I, yeah, yeah, I should have been. Because I know some comics that. Uh, I'm going to blow this guy out of the water and they're going to this club's going to see that I shouldn't be middling. 
and I've seen some comics do that. Yeah. Like about like standing next to them and and somebody will be like, "You're the best." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm doing my own show on on uh, Thursdays." Like, yeah. what? What the fuck? Why would you? Why? It's anyway. a lack of consideration there. Lack of consideration. Is, but that's personal consideration. Cons- that's personal consideration. And also, it's also long-term consideration mm-hmm. because you're training an audience member in all your interactions with them, even after a show. That's true. Yeah. Um, there's training when, an audience member. That's very true. Yeah. When you when someone says that to me after a show, which doesn't happen, you know, that all that often, but it's happened to everybody. Mm-hmm. I always say, "Oh, really?" Because the other comic that was on the show, the headliner, is my favorite comic. Mm. I say that's oh, you my. Th- th- so you I, throw that back at? Oh them. no, I throw it back at him. But then I realize I don't have to be so bitchy. About abrasive? It. Or yeah, yeah, <laughs> abrasive. Um, because I need to stop saying that word, bitchy. Anyways, um, what's wrong stop, with bitchy? I don't know. Some women are very offended by that word. But I don't. Are know. they acting like female dogs though? <laughs> yeah. That's really bitchy to be, bi- yeah, to be yeah. bitchy about bitchy. It is. It is bitchy to be bitchy about bitchy. Yeah. But anyway, um, so you were saying. Yeah. So I. And, and then sometimes I just remember, well, okay, some people don't know how to compliment people without tearing someone else down. Maybe that's the world they come from. Maybe that's, that's true. the family they've been raised in. Well, that's they why I never no really, idea. I never really, I never know how to react. I yeah. just say, if they, if they feel the need to compliment me, which is already kind of nice, sure, you have to insult someone I respect in, in the same thing, yeah. but it's like, oh, thanks. And I just kind of let it go because I don't know what to say, really. Normally, I, I will mention something to them, though. What I've started saying mm-hmm. recently in the last year or two is I say, well, I appreciate you thinking I was funny. Um, but the person that you're talking about is a, like one of my closest friends, even if they're not. Yeah. Like, That's one of my best friends and, I th- and one of my heroes. You don't have to. You can just tear them down. Me. Yeah. You can just say, I thought you were really funny. Right. Because um, I'll use the competition line sometimes. Like, it's not a competition. And I'll say, you don't have to tear someone down to bring me up. But the people love that. I, I was do. just uh, had an interesting conversation with this guy Jeff Bolt. You ever met him? No, I've never met Jeff. San Francisco comedian. I was just at Cobb's this last night. Got back, as you know, um, ten minutes before you showed up. But funny guy. And the the show I did was like thirty year, like a thirty year anniversary of Cobb's. And this guy started doing stand up when I was three. Right. So. We were having this conversation because we both thought, thought the show started at 8 and it started at 9 because we got there and was like, there's only six people here. This is going to be awful. But about 9 o'clock, I'm like, oh, no other comedians are here. And then all of a sudden, everyone showed up and then the audience showed up. Um, it was a great show. But um, we were having this conversation about uh, enemies because uh, he was watching the baseball game uh, that he doesn't give a shit about. He was He's like slightly happy that the, the Giants are going to the World Series, but... He was watching the other game, and he's like, I don't really care. And he was talking about San Francisco, like Bay Area people's, how they're fans, the things. But he ultimately got about around to, we, we, we're, we're, we're taught to assign people the role of enemy, like throughout our entire lives. From childhood, it's like it's us versus them, us versus them all the time. And mm-hmm. people just know how to interact with the world and with each other through that mentality me versus the world sort of a kind of a thing without any what without any Any consideration consideration. you're allowed to hate someone as long as you shake their hand afterwards (laughs) (laughs) okay let's high five i'm adina john um but yeah let's get back to that universal consideration i guess that would be the two the two prongs right universal consideration and uh, personal consideration well there's also like just consideration for long-term career because stand-up comedy is not a sprint so many people i'm really glad that i wait it's not a sprint it's a marathon. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. just totally forgot what a sprint yeah, was. Yeah. When you it's, made you uh, that, I'm like, wait, wait, what's a sprint? A cell phone company. No. Okay. 
<laughs> Stand-up comedy is not Sprint. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> it not is Sprint. It's definitely Verizon. There's there's just such a long path to take right, to get right. really good at stand-up comedy. And I know that I'm I'm only just begun. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a little further than say some other people. Yeah. Um we're probably about the same place. You said you're a little over 10 years. Yeah, yeah we're a little over 10 place. years and I think I'm getting oh, I'm I, I'm cer- I certainly know I'm a lot better than I used to be when I first started. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I hope I'm going to get a lot better. But I'm so glad that Twitter and Facebook were not around really heavy. I mean, MySpace was mm. uh, when when we were coming up because you see these people just burn. They're burning themselves out because they're not considering the long term picture. They're talking. They're talking smack about other comics right, online. Right. They're, uh, you know, they're posting things on their Tumblr or whatever it is. They're just personal attacks against people that maybe they've never even met. Right. That they might end up working with at some point. Right. And then realize what an asshole they really are because right. they don't know this person at all, and they're just not considering long term. And it comes a lot. With just this disconnect between people, the more connected we are through media mm-hmm. and technology, the more disconnected we become as people. Well, we're reactionary. It's like yeah. people, we, any freaking thought and feeling we have, we can literally put it to the world at that moment. And there's no consideration there's of... There's no consideration. Well, well this the, is there forever now. Exactly. And I've done it. I've done it, sure. Right. But we're just not connected. I remember when I first realized this phenomenon about the disconnect... And the lack of consideration was I was at my uh, this girl I was dating at the time. She mm-hmm. lived in Baltimore and I was there for a couple of days. You said it incorrectly. It's Balmore. Balmer? I don't know. It's Balmer. Balmer. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the city that bleeds. I think it was the city that. Oh, they have all these different city logos they've tried over the, the years. The city that bleeds? Well, they've had all these different logos and the people of Baltimore always will find a way to distort and change them into something like just really. The city that bleeds is already awful. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It wasn't the city commerce? that leads. It was a city that it was the city that reads was th- what they came up with, and they painted it all on their park benches. So everybody, so these people went in, around town and changed reads to bleeds on all the park benches. I think that's more benches. accurate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I've never think of like and Charm Baltimore. City. They had it was called Charm City, so they would just change it to Harm City. Um. Anyway, uh, I guess they really embraced. They did not understand the, the wordplay of graffiti artists. No, no. They didn't. They didn't get that they were going to change things. But anyway, you were seeing that girl. I woke up, and she was at work. I woke up in her apartment, and I got online, and I saw a Godzilla joke on Twitter about Japan. And I was like, well, that's kind of a stereotypical joke to make about Japan. Like, what, what, what did someone just watch Godzilla? And then I saw a few other Godzilla jokes right. about Japan. And I was like, what is going on? And so then I went to CNN.com, yeah. and I was watching live footage of the tsunami destroying Japan. Right. These people, the waves hadn't even stopped crashing onto the, the land right. before people were on Twitter making horrible jokes. Right, right, right. About right. real and I was like sitting there watching this, trying not to bawl my eyes out. This footage, this horrible how you know, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And there were already jokes on Twitter about it. And I was like, these are real people dying. Like these people what how disconnected are you from being a real person? And from, you know, your fellow man mm-hmm. that you're already making jokes. And people argue, well, you know, so some people deal with grief. It's uh, through humor. Well, yeah, I get it. I'm a comic. <laughs> I'm a professional stand-up But comic. you're telling me you, they are instantly dealing with their grief by making the most obvious 
worst joke, the Godzilla joke possible. Right. So, so what I've done is, and I, I, I've tried to let this go, and it's been really difficult for me to let it go. But I, I made a list of all those people that made the worst jokes, and whenever something really bad and tragic happens in their life. I'm going to instantly because these are the same people that are going to post immediately on Facebook or Twitter, like, right. oh, you know my, you know my mom, you know has ovarian cancer, you know, you know, oh. and then I'm going to immediately tweet at them, you know, only pussies die from ovarian cancer, you know, stuff like that, you know, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> and then say like, how does it feel, you know? I'm not going to do that. But you've thought about doing it. I've thought. Oh, I've thought. I've got a whole litany of things I will do. Oh, but, holy uh, shit! Okay. But then I've tried to like release that. Because then I'm just them. I'm just the same as they are at that point. So that's basically that that old therapy thing of write a letter about how you feel. And then burn it. And then, yeah. <laughs> Save a draft of the tweet. Yeah, yeah, Look at yeah, it. Yeah. And then don't send oh, it. But that's when I really noticed, like, man, wow, I'm just really upset uh, about what's happening. But then also about the way most people are just thinking it's funny. Like, because too soon has become too late. People don't want to be too, the last. Too soon is its own uh, tag. People, yeah, yeah. People don't want to be the, they want to be too late. They want to be the first one to make the too soon joke. Right. So too soon, it's become too late in that way. Like, oh, I don't want to be too late on the too soon joke. And it's okay. like, everybody's trying to be the first one with too soon. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not about comedy as much as it is about shock anymore. People, they're not considering comedy. They're just shocking people now. Well, that that is a confusion in my eyes. A confusion fusion of laughter that the idea that all laughter is the same laughter which is wrong yeah that's the shock laugh the nervous laughter which is laughter but it's not like a good recognition kind of belly gut mm-hmm. i get that or i've never thought about it that way or wow I'm, that's not how i see it but i'm enjoying this kind of laugh um and i think that that, that the shock isn't such an easy laugh to get but I think on some of these, they're not even getting any laugh. It's like it's, yeah, that's but it's, true. It's, it's tipped past the shock well, be- laugh. Oh well, the game becomes on Twitter when a tragedy happens because basically, if a tragedy or something awful happens, I avoid it for the day. Like, oh it's yeah, like I have to. I can't look at Twitter for the tenth anniversary of nine eleven. I'm like, I'm just not going to go on Twitter yep. today. Mm-hmm. That's what. That's what I'm, I that's do that with debates. Do. You do it the debates, okay? I do it with debates, uh, big political moments, mm-hmm. um, or if a tragedy has happened or someone really famous has died. Right, because uh, you know Carl Hess at all? Yeah, he has some joke about trying to describe Twitter to his grandmother, and I don't remember what he was. He's like, "Well, there's a lot of puns, a lot of puns." And I love puns. And then we are sarcastic when celebrities die. That's basically that's basically, <laughs> that's basically Twitter. What Twitter is? She's like, "That sounds awful." She's right. It's an irreverent <laughs> pun fest. Exactly. Um, but I try to avoid it those days. And uh, man, I just totally forgot where I was trying to go. With this bad boy. Do, 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 What? Do, 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 I think yeah. the difference between the shock laugh and the belly laugh. Oh, that's what. And it, all the other different laughs. That's what I remember. Okay, I remember now. Yeah. Continue I mean, what you're going to say. There, I do agree that it's good to have a, you know an arsenal of right. uh, b- comedic ability to make people laugh in different ways. But when it comes to, just like anything else, it can get... You know, you get to the, you extrapolate it too far, or people it gets right. watered down too far by different degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got these, you know, what they what, what do they call those guys? Uh, uh, couch quarterbacks or something, and or some, oh, or backseat. It's like a backseat driver. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. like a backseat driver. You got these people who are on the fringes of comedy, 
Couch coach? Is that a thing? Or quarterback. Or, it's like a... Coucherback? Uh, yeah, yeah. Nickelback? We're real men. We're such, yeah. We're such men. And tights. So, but you've got these like backseat drivers of comedy trying mm-hmm. to, you know, just watching CNN's feed, like waiting for someone to die. Well, so you know, can, and that's, that's what I was going to say is it's an improv game. It's the who, it's the game of who can make the, who can be too soon the first the, yeah. the earliest too soon, and then who can be more the most outrageous? Because it's like if everyone's making jokes about this, I want to make a joke that gets the most retweets and favorites because it's the most out there, insane, outrageous tweet about the or joke about this this thing. Mm-hmm. So that becomes the game is the one-upmanship of no, I can be more shocking, I can be more inappropriate. I mean, but to what end? I mean, that's to me where there is no end. It's just the com- the competition suddenly activates in people as they're sitting yeah. at their computers reading Twitter. Yeah, it's quality, man. I don't get offended by content. I don't. Mm-hmm. If someone made a really funny tsunami joke, um, you know, fifteen minutes into the waves crashing, mm-hmm. and it was really biting and really like honest, and and it it spoke to something, yeah, I would have laughed. It's I, I get offended by quality. I don't get offended by content because okay. I will I will laugh at anything. I will laugh at any joke, no matter. There's no sacred cows. Yeah, I'm not telling people they can't make a joke about the tsunami right. um, or about 9-11 or about any of this stuff. But it better be good. The worse or the more uh, deadly the topic, right? the better your joke better be. Right, right. Okay. Um, well, do you think – I remember once Rick Overton saying something to me about morality, about does, the, what, does what you're talking about reveal your morality? As a human being, your values. Yeah, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be talking about politics, mm-hmm. but at so, at at every point in your act, there should be you should be revealing what you believe about things, what you think is right and wrong. It's just always kind of embedded in everything that you do. I'm extrapolating. extrapolating. Well, that's an interesting that's an interesting idea to be able to you know infuse your voice and find your voice into your comedy. Yeah, I mean, as I mean, I guess necessarily doesn't apply at least. So obviously to absurdists. That's true. That's true. But that's just a different style altogether. Yeah. So, I mean, I can understand that as a style, yeah. That was actually his response to a joke I had that was absurd. Oh, okay. That it was an absurd joke about something that was kind of dark, but to me, the game was how far can I go with it? Uh And how specific can I get with the imagery that I'm creating? And it was a, by all, the, 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 the reason I was proud of it was because of the con- the construction of it. It was like one of the first jokes I had written where I was like, this is a well. I was like proud of myself. It's a crafted bit. It has, it just, the laughs are just shoot, 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 and it leads up to the last point and I'm done. Mm-hmm. That's what stand-up's supposed to be. But I wasn't talking about anything that I really cared about. I was just happy with the way that it was coming out. Yeah, because you like writing jokes. Indeed. Yeah. And so that's what he, when he was at a show in New York that he happened to be on, that's really the only time I've ever interacted with him. But he said, he was very complimentary. He said, you're very funny, but you're not, you know, uh, I, w- I want to see what your morality is. And he kind of told me that thing. And I've, I've been thinking about that ever since. Yeah, that points to a personal taste in comedy, I think, too. It does. It does. Definitely especially for, for him. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I li- And for the record, I like Too Far. I like, I love, yeah. I mean, not. I don't even like, I mean, I love it. I adore Too Far. Um, and I take, because... A theater teacher in college years ago told me that it's easier to pull back than it is to, than it is to keep pushing forward. So yeah. I've always tried to go to uh, – I'll do that with jokes. I'll, I'll take jokes too far 
And then, okay, there was the line where all of the audience was gone. <laughs> so now we can pull it back. You next know. time I'm not going to go to that place. Yeah, next time we can pull it back. And I don't mind that. I don't mind seeing that. But, I mean, I guess I'm just offended by, you know, part-time players trying. To, I don't get offended. I mean, that's you choose to be offended. I, you know, off- being offended, You're offended. Is, it's a choice. You do cho- you're choosing to be yeah, offended. Yeah, I, I choose to be offended at times, and I hate that I do it. But I'm a hypocrite in everything I do. Everything There's nothing wrong with that. So I mean, I'm a hypocrite in everything. You find it distasteful. Yeah. Oh, it just it it gets under my skin. Okay. Um, because people aren't considering the long term picture of anything anymore. It's I try to apply it to everything in my life, like, right? Whether it's merch, the uh, merch I'm selling, mm-hmm. or or what I'm anything I'm doing. I I had a T-shirt that I tried to sell a few years ago that was just a bunch of cartoon drawings of a bunch of different characters from my jokes. Okay. And it was an expensive shirt. It wasn't profitable, uh, mainly because it was like over seven dollars a shirt to have them produced. Oh wow! Which because when you of do, the screening when you do or just, something? Yeah, yeah. Because all the different colors in it. And if you just did a, like a joke shirt, like a black shirt with white writing, or vice versa, one color, one print on the front only, it's like a buck fifty a shirt if you order enough of them. Mm. So you can make some real money on the road, right? Um, and when you're a feature act, merch will save your ass. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to do this shirt because I love it. And, you know, years from now, someone's going to say, what is the shirt you're wearing? Who? And there's like, oh, this comedian Ryan Singer. This, right. this is a big gay dragon. So you, you made blah, an blah, assumption blah. that people were going to carry the backstory yeah, with yeah. it. Or, like yeah. the Bible. Yeah, right? So, <laughs> exactly. And the problem was no one would buy them. Mm. I mean, I, saw, I ended up getting like 50 of them just to see if they'd sell. And it took me a while to sell them. But but it's still a quality product out in the universe. That I, mm-hmm. So I don't regret the decision because the shirt wasn't going to fall apart after three washes. Right, right. It was just like having something quality out there. And I'm going to continue to do that um, even though it's not the most profitable way. It's definitely a long way to go on things. It's the long road. Yeah, I don't it's mind the, the marathon, long road. I don't, the yeah, I don't mind the long road. I don't mind it because I know that as long as I'm working hard to be better, none of – It's none always going to pay off. None of that other stuff matters because yeah. it's – you know, see, I, I get I sometimes I get a little wrapped up in the other stuff. Oh, yeah. Living out here, I, I found like I found myself at times getting wrapped up in it. I, it's got to be the city. I mean, it is the city. It's it's industry city. It's industry city. Then suddenly and, yeah. you're constantly comparing your, or I am constantly comparing. What are my myself? credits? And it's like, whoa, 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 stop worrying about your credits and worry about the trying status to be the and best status and, you can uh, be. Um, well, here's a question for you. What are because, you know, you 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 mentioned this whole kind of um, tweet, the tragedy kind of thing. Um I remember I remember writing some some tweet about it was a people resp- who are really good at, at making doing fun it. of tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love reading their stuff. And leave it to them. But everyone doesn't have to do it. But I remember writing something that was like, man, when the Titanic went down, Twitter must have been blowing up. Just because it's like yeah, that's yeah. one of those things that's like, hey, all these people are dying. Isn't that hilarious? Um, but besides the tweet, the tragedy sort of thing, because yeah. you mentioned that, uh, my question is what kinds of – what are the common transgressions – that you see, like when you see people being inconsiderate and that bigger, that bigger. Oh, on the bigger thing. scale of on just, the bigger scale, like of just everything. That, they get they get under your skin. Teams. They get under my skin. The pattern that you maybe see over and over again. Well, in comedy, it's really easy. It's just talking shit. Um, comics are really good at it, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, it's not like I've never done it because I'm sure I, I know I have. Yeah. Um, I've probably done it recently. I'm doing it right now in my head. Yeah, yeah. I've done it recently. I'm and, thinking about comics that talk shit about. I've seen. There's a comic named Kermit Apio out of... I know Kermit. Yeah, Seattle. Oh, he's so funny. Yeah. And uh, and one of his best friends is a guy you would never guess, this guy Andy Andrist. 
who's like oh I've heard of him Andy yeah. Anders is you know he he's one of the unbookables tours with Stanhope things like oh, that oh right he's really that's why I've heard he's of a him. really push the envelope kind of guy there are no rules about what he's going to say right. on stage then you've got Kermit who he could do he could do a junior high show and yeah. get laughs and he's still really funny right you know um, I hate the fact that people say when they hear clean they think some comics hear clean and they think not funny. Yeah, uh, I just say Brian Regan, and then I yeah. leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> but those two are really good friends, and like Kermit was telling them the story, so I, I don't feel bad retelling it quickly. But uh, some guy was t- to him saying something about Andy, like I just don't get it. He's like, what? Do- I don't know what he's doing. He's up there just kind of like, and like, he had no idea because he just assumed there's no way Kermit is friends with this guy because right, his right. comedy is so different. Different, right? And he's like, you don't. First of all, you don't get it. Um, and that's fine. You mm-hmm. don't have to get it because a lot of people do. And secondly, he's like my best friend. So oh. you should stop probably talking. So Kermit know. said that to the guy. Well, I'm, I, it's been years, so I don't know if he actually said it. As oh, much okay. As Kermit's a really, I mean, I can't remember how the story ends. So Uh-oh. that's a really great story to tell. <laughs> <laughs> but I should have considered that before kernel, I started telling it. There's a kernel it. in the story that, yeah, you, yeah. that you've been chewing on. Yeah, but the point is you, you never know who... And that's a good enough reason to not talk smack, is you never know who you're talking to. Right, right. That's a good enough reason by itself, let alone, you know, the cosmic reason. Like, it's just, oh, when I'm hanging out with comics, I love to try to talk about who are your favorite comics that you think I've never heard of. Right. Um, Let's talk about our favorite comics. Let's not talk about our comics that we hate. Being positive and just like being like, well, Because then you can discover new comedians that you might not have heard um, before. As opposed to bitching about somebody who's not taking ticket sales away from you anyway. Right, right. Especially when comics, they complain about like a comic who's so different than them. It's like, oh, you want, oh, I'm sorry, you wanted their audience? Yeah, you know, and that's, if I've talked smack, it has been about people that, um, there's been specific people, but that's because I have personal problems with them. It's because I have That's problems different. with That's who they totally are as, yeah. as people, yeah. and especially if who they are off stage is completely different than who. Like if they present themselves as this kind of person on stage and then off stage, I'm like, you know, that's a different thing. And it's also nothing I would ne- I wouldn't say to their face if they asked. See, they'll, that's different. They'll never ask. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between talking shit and then saying what you think or believe. Mm-hmm. Which okay. I don't have any problem with people who do that. If someone is talking. You know, negatively about someone. I don't have any problem with it. Well, what's the if I know that they're, they'd say they've said it to their face? Yeah, that's what it is. It's just owning it, right? Well, to me, okay. So difference is owning it. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't condone negativity in that way, but it's not like I'm just walking around this positive beacon of love and hope all the time. Um, you know, there's. <laughs> I mean, I try that, to that, be. That is what people are saying about you. Yeah, behind tr- your back, by the yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> that's when they're talking shit. It's like oh, it's so fucking positive. Yeah, I, I mean, I try to be, and it's it's a choice. It's a definite. I wake up every morning and I decide. Okay, is this is this the day we just say we just go back into the darkness? But no, we. I, I'm not letting my because I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, right? At the very beginning, I discovered years ago through an ex girlfriend that I could be funnier when I was happy. Mm. Um. And it was a really difficult thing Which to is accept. The, that's the opposite of literally every comedian in the 90s. And that's, I could go yeah, to therapy, yeah. but what if I'm not funny anymore? Yeah, exactly. And it was a difficult thing to accept, and I was panicked about it. But then I realized I can get further, at least for me, on my own journey on comedy. I can get further through love. doesn't mean there's not frustration mm-hmm. and some anger in there. 
at times, but I can get further and I can grow and become a better comedian in the long run if I come from a place of love as opposed to hate. Making me so upset right now. And see? <laughs> <laughs> Not so upset. I mean, I'm joking. It's just that, okay, that's so fucking, okay. I mean, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. And that, and what I'm doing is I'm comparing myself to it now. I'm just like, oh, can but I it's do not, that? It's, but this is, this is me, though, because we were talking about people who aspire to be these heroes, right. and they're all horrible people. It's one thing to aspire to the greatness of them. It's another thing to aspire to be who they were as people. Yes. Like that, to me, you can, you can separate that. And a lot of people don't separate. A lot of people don't separate that. And um, a lot of their material comes from their lives. I'm looking at three of my favorites of all yeah, time yeah, right my, now my on your paintings. wall. And did you paint those? No, no, no. Uh, this group, these guys I met, they call themselves 214 Graffiti. If you want to look them up, 214 Graffiti. So I got my paintings here, Bill Cosby, Steve Martin, and Richard Pryor, which I, I, I consider like the holy triumvirate for my biggest influences, my personal biggest well, I influences. Well, I wouldn't really argue with you on that. I mean, I would throw some George Carlin up there probably, but Steve Martin to me, Cosby was the first album I ever heard himself mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. vinyl. Yeah. That's why I still love comedy vinyl to this day. Um, Richard Pryor was the first album I tried to listen to. Uh, was it something I said? You tried I, to listen to I it? I tried to listen to it. I just grabbed it as a kid because it had a more colorful cover because oh. it was him in the cave. Yeah, 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 yeah. And my dad, my uncle said, no, 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 you can't listen to that. You can listen to this one. And they gave me himself. So <laughs> when I was old enough to buy an album, the first album I ever bought, was the first CD I ever bought was the Pryor album. Oh. And my dad and I will listen to that to this day when if, we, if we're driving somewhere yeah, together. Yeah, it's a great album. Yeah, and Steve Martin, I mean, geez. Steve Martin. He's the only person I would pay to go see comedy outside of Cosby who I paid to see recently. Yeah, see, and I, I want to see Cosby live. I, have, he, I haven't seen him live. And that is like, I feel like I never know where the hell he is until he's left. Yeah. I'm like, what? He was here last week? Yeah. I remember walking around New York, it's like, Cosby, Apollo. I was like, it was yesterday, son of a bitch. How yeah. did I not know? Um. But it's interesting. I, I feel sometimes I feel like to talk about consideration. I feel mm-hmm. some people. I feel like some people might think I'm calculating. What do you mean? Being very calculating. Like, well, no, I'm considering every move, and you know, or not every move, but like, oh, I'm presenting well, it's myself. Just, it's just there is something about to be how you you spiritually, yeah, energy it is, wise, it comes just, from a spiritual place. Yeah, where I wasn't happy at all as a person, mm-hmm. and I knew I had to change something uh, in my life, and a fundamental change happened. It was a, you know, a conflux of events. Is that the right word? Con- or convergence of events? Convergence, or, confluence, um, flagrance, con- yeah, conflagrance. Some word. I can never fancy. remember. But yeah. And, uh, and it kind of really changed my whole launch point for everything. And that's oh. where things started to change for me. Um, but it's, and I, I don't judge people. I try not to judge people. You know, I try my best not yes. to. I mean, I'll judge them and I'll be like, well, you're stupid. You're not wrong. Or you're not right. Right. You know, how can you judge them? I mean, look how stupid you are. Like, um, so I, I may judge, but it immediately gets discarded. But uh, like when it comes to making jokes about tragedy or all this other kind of, it's not. I'm not above or beyond any of that stuff. Right. It's just just how, do it well. Yeah, just do it well, <laughs> please. Yeah, thank you. Have some consideration before you present it to the world. That's the thing. People aren't. Pre- people aren't. Con- they present the first thought. Yeah, yeah. I agree with first thought, best thought in a lot of cases when it comes to your instinct. Um, as long as you have the toolbox to build that first thought. Um, a lot of comics don't have that toolbox yet because they haven't learned how to write a simple joke yet. But they have Twitter accounts. But they have Twitter accounts. And thank God I didn't or have a Twitter account eight yeah. years ago or I probably wouldn't be in this business. I would probably have already been blackballed or whatever. I probably would have been already 
you know, cast away. Well, there's also like, a lot of people on Twitter that I that I have discovered because they're funny, and I have no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, well, who is this really hilarious joke? Like people who didn't know they could write jokes, but somehow discovered that it's a, it is a, they, a thing that they can do. They've yeah. never done stand up. Yeah, and I don't. And I don't it. write jokes like that. I don't. That's the thing. I love Twitter, mm-hmm. but I'm not a succinct little joke writer. Um, I hope that doesn't sound condescending, but I mean, no, it's not. It's just, it's, that's it's not how my brain works. It's a different thing. Properly, my brain doesn't operate in 140 characters like that. My brain is character based and song based, and I mean, I think I think that's why I like your comedy so much. Well, I appreciate that because I I feel like oh I see a lot of oh I wish I would have see and I I come get, up with that I get very um, I get down on myself about it. It's just like like I feel like it's a crutch sometimes. But it's, I feel like no, that's just my the way my brain works. Is it yeah. jumps from around like that, and I'm like, I, why can't I just be comfortable <laughs> with this? Yeah, is, yeah. Why this can't is be, what I am. I had a friend of mine who I started doing comedy with, and he doesn't really do it anymore. Uh-huh. That was about two, a year and a half ago, two years ago. He really just kind of smacked me in the face with an analysis of me that really made me doubt myself. He didn't mean to. He was being funny, and we've gone back. We started open mic together. Right. But he goes, oh, yeah, the Ryan Singer joke formula. And I go, what's the Ryan Singer joke formula? He goes, hey, these are two things that you don't think would ever be able to be uh, compared to each other. Here's some characters explaining them, and then a weird song reference. And I was like, ooh, you bastard. I was like, that's every one of my. (laughs) (laughs) No, I got the same thing. Um I, I get I get I get crap about beatboxing. Sometimes I beatbox. I stop. I don't really beatbox. There's like some jokes that I beatbox. I can't do them both in the same act because the beatboxing in itself is a surprising device. Yeah. And one that's been used, it ruins it. Or I'm being told to continue to beatbox when I want to move on. Do yeah. some more beatboxing. I got the weirdest heckle ever in Chicago doing zanies with. Cameron Esposito, you know Cameron, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Emily Galati, you know Emily Galati at all? Yes, I met Emily at a 4th of July party this Uh past year. That's already weird for me. Um, In Cincinnati, Ohio. uh She was was working Go Bananas. Double Descent. She loves loves that place. Um, So it was the last, last show, that 11 o'clock show on a Saturday at Zany's. Uh, It's always usually pretty awful. And I got the weirdest heckle ever, which was... Do some Janet, as in Janet Jackson. I have ne- no one who has ever, because you know what, honestly, and I get really upset with myself when I do this. If the audience is just really not with me, of course I go like, well, how can I make them like me? How can I make them like me? Well, yeah. And then I transition into, uh, or I start to feel like this this need to shuck and jive, as one might say. And I resist it usually, but sometimes I'll throw a couple voices or impersonations or beatboxes out there, and then people are just like, oh, shit, he can do that? Now I'm going to make requests. He's a jukebox. Do some Janet. Who has ever done a Janet Jackson impersonation? Is there is there an effective (laughs) Janet Jackson that people are like, oh, yeah, you know the go-to impersonations, Elvis, Janet Jackson? No, it's not there. But that was the greatest thing ever that I've ever been, been asked to do. Anyway... Go back to what we were saying. Oh, I don't even remember. I'm just fascinated well, by I, trying to I figure out how to do Janet Jackson. How to do Janet Jackson, I know. Um, here's here's a question. So so Universal, let's take it down to personal consideration. Okay. Your thoughts. <laughs> personal consideration, I think it's it can be really difficult at times mm-hmm. to be considerate. Yeah. Because um, I don't know why, but 
at least for me, and it seems like most people, our go-to instinct is selfish, um, easy way out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All considerate. It's it's hard to be considerate sometimes, and it, we always feel better when we are after. When we are considerate? We, after we've done something that was very considerate, we always feel better. Right, right. The wave um, of endorphins, right? Right, and it's just like, why don't we do that more often? Because we know how good it makes us feel. Did you have that joke about this? No, I don't think so. I swear I just heard a joke about charity work gives you that the chemical high of No, I definitely doing don't drugs. have a joke about that. So whenever you see someone doing charity, they're just like trying to get their fix. Oh, that's a pretty funny idea. I don't remember who did that. I, I like that idea. I feel like I thought it was you. I feel like it was at that show we did at Good Luck Bar that I heard that. Oh. But I might be completely wrong. I heard that recently and I was like, "Oh, that's No, I do funny. like that idea though." Yeah. Um but no, I think personally it's I don't know. It's easy to be considerate when you're. I was going to say alone. That sounds sad, but <laughs> what if it is sad? To, Let it be sad. It's easy to be considerate for me. Mostly, I mean, I mean, I haven't been in a relationship in, since I moved here. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any relationship a year. really. Yeah, it's been a little over a year now. So okay. I, uh, I had at at like, rising at rising. Just in case uh, um, you, you you Twitterlings. Yeah, <laughs> I. So it's been like I don't know, sixteen months. It's been since June of 2011 when. Me and my ex-girlfriend decided, okay, this is we can't date anymore because I'm moving here. Right. But uh, so it was I mean, a practical decision. So in that way, it's up. I'm very selfish in the way where I'm, a, you know, I'm a I'm a loner. A lot of the times I'm a loner, mm-hmm. to where I don't have to consider anybody else's plans, mm. uh, what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so my go-to is definitely not considerate. That's not my default. Okay. mode so i really have to make a conscious effort to be considerate sometimes like oh you know what i would rather just i've got one day this week where i can do nothing i'd rather do that but then a friend's like oh i really need some help with this or something and i'll be like oh i guess i gotta do that because right. would they help me okay yeah 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 it's the, the that's the con- considering whether or not they would ha- yeah it's it's all about paying for it and it's also you know being a considerate friend like having balance in your relationships right because I know a lot of people who, a friend of mine, uh, actually it might have been an ex-girlfriend, I remember describing it to her because she would go out, like if a friend of hers, like a close friend of hers was like, hey, can you drive me to the airport? She would jump at it. She's like, yeah. But she, nope, she would never ask anybody else to do that. And I'm like, you can ask. I mean, how many airport rides have you given? Yeah. I guarantee you, your friends are as eager to drive you to the airport <laughs> as you were to drive them. She's like, yeah, but blah, blah, blah. Is that fear of taking advantage to call it back to the beginning? Oh gosh, yeah, it's got to be right. Well, that's the opposite be. of considerate to take advantage of somebody. Instead well, of being pe- yeah, the opposite of considerate. Yeah, and because a lot of the most considerate people in the world are the same people who it just horrifies them to think about putting someone else out mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. any way whatsoever. Because they say the thing that you hate most about other people is something you do yourself. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like the opposite in this situation. The people who are the most considerate would never even think about trying to make someone else show consideration to them right so it's kind of weird which points to the fact that i'm not genuinely considerate from like a default mode where i operate i'm trying to correct that and right. make it because you can only pretend to be something for so long before if you pretend to be something for 40 years you clearly are that thing at that point <laughs> yeah it's no longer ironic yeah so i mean if if i am making myself try to you know approach each opportunity as a as a example or or each situation 
as an opportunity to rise above and become this higher planed individual, which I'm really down. I'm really down with trying to figure out how to evolve, right, spiritually and stuff. Right. Even though I'm very lazy about it, but but you're but so, you're, you're giving it some consideration. At yeah, least. I am considering. Yeah, <laughs> there's each situation is a chance to rise above. Like I was devastated by my ex by my last relationship ending okay and the fact that she couldn't fall in love with me it was just something i would refuse to accept because in comedy we refuse to accept defeat right of course or we wouldn't be in this business yeah or obviously still mm -hmm. um you failure is not an option at all there's no there's zero percent chance of failing uh you just have to believe blindly in that so i kind of operate that way in everything in my life so i was like well no i want this relationship to work so it's going to work she's going to fall in love with me. And it's like, no, I'm not falling. And then at some point you have to be like, okay, this is, this is beyond my control now. I have to rise above this or I could, I could react like everybody else reacts and just be this bitter, angry, right, right. heartbroken. I'm going to go stick my dick into everything that moves. Right, right. Or, I can, yeah. or I can try to rise above the situation and use it as an opportunity to grow in some kind of way. Which is not easy. No, it's a harder. It's a harder. Yeah. Definitely the harder, less, less traveled road. Yeah. But once you get to the end of it, it's much more fulfilling because you're like, hey, I did this. But it's trying to. It's me. I I try to consider the big picture in most things. Well, you know, it's funny. That's why I, one of the reasons I connected to this uh, subject when you brought it up because when we were talking about it, I was at in that in the midst of kind of coaching somebody about a relationship problem she yeah. was having, and a lot of it has to come comes from her not being able to ask for what it is she needs and this guy kind of stepping all over her yeah. a little bit um stepping on her and and she and and being like it shouldn't be that big of a deal which i think is ladies ladies i think one of the <laughs> biggest things ladies uh oh this is going to be serious oh shit one of the biggest things that that dudes say um is we already talked about this, like in a in a relationship kind of we're talking about our problem sort of way. Didn't we already talk about this? That's like the the biggest way I think guys try to shut shut it down. It's like it's been covered. The syllabus has been writ dudes already. Think, dudes think relationship problems are like balloons. Like you can just <laughs> pop them. You and pop then they're them, gone. Then it's gone. What are you talking yeah, about? No. Um, you let the air out. But basically, I told her it's like, look, you you guys are you've agreed to this sort of thing, and it's like I. She's of the mind that she's committed to this and wants to make it work, and I totally get that. But what has happened is that this is not the first problem they've had, which is it, it basically it's the same problem. It never got solved. They had this problem, never really got solved, kind of watered over. Now it's back again. Is it and, manifesting in different ways, or it's just the same the exact way? exact same way. Oh, okay. But it connects to all these different things that she feels, that she, but she hasn't asked of him that he just assumed he could do because he didn't consider how it might affect her yeah. because she's never asked for it. He just did like, well, it must not matter, but now it matters. So I'm like, so in a, a sort of a sense, she is to blame in a sort of a way. That's why you have to ask for what you want in order to judge what it is that you're getting or not what you're, if you're getting back what you're putting in, in a sort of a way. You're in charge of the relationships you're in. That's for sure. You, you have to take responsibility Ladies, for Ladies, listen. Yeah. I mean, it's easy guys. for me to say I'm in such a consideration light uh, personal life mode because mm -hmm. it's just I'm very consideration heavy in my professional life because that's all I think about because mm. that's all I have to think about. But, um, but yeah, it's so much more difficult to be 
consider it in a personal relationship if if especially if it's not a relationship you even really want to you're really into then it's that's when it's becomes if it's really not hard a relationship if it's not into? a relationship you're really that all gung-ho about it's really difficult to be considerate you know because it's a lot easier to be like i don't even really know if this is going anywhere anyway so why oh. i can just do this you know what i mean it's easier to blow off something that isn't important to you there was this uh book called mm, damn it intimacy that's it. That's it's called Damn It Intimacy? No, it's called oh, that Intimacy. that would be so great if it was called Damn It Damn Intimacy. Damn It Intimacy. That would, that, that, I would read that book just based on the title. Yeah, me too. If you have a really good uh, idea for a book about intimacy, call it Damn It Intimacy. I want to say it's called Intimacy. Uh, it's, it's short stories by a Japanese writer, but there was a movie made called Intimacy, if I'm correct, British film. And um, the plot of the movie is it was starring this guy, Mark Rylance, who is considered the one of the greatest Shakespearean actors right now. Um, he has this woman who comes over to his house every Wednesday at three. They have sex. She leaves. The end. They've never talked. He doesn't even know her name. And apparently it started as like a bar, a joke at a bar that they both happened to be at. And then it turned into this ongoing thing. Every Week, she comes over at that time. They have sex. She leaves. Doesn't know her name. He becomes obsessed with her. He wants to know who the hell she is. And starts following her around, trying to find out what her life is about, all this different stuff. And he is, uh, he's like a bar, uh, he's a bar manager, and he has this bartender that he becomes friends with, like this young gay bartender that he becomes friends with. And I remember the bartender, he, he keeps having these gems of life. To, to, to drop down, you know, magical, magical gay person. And uh, one of them was um, there's only so long in a relationship that it's truly free before the people start to ask things of each other. And then the other thing is that I think that's the thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, because isn't that the beauty of a relationship? You have someone you can ask stuff. Oh, the other thing. Whoever cares about the relationship the least is always in charge. Oh, oh, ugh! I just hate the way that sounds because it's so true. Right, feeling. and I'm not even sure if that that's in that movie or if I heard that somewhere else. Oh, that just makes me feel so yucky inside. They're always in charge because they have the least at stake. Ah, you know what I mean. So they they God love sucks. They're not willing to compromise on things that yeah. they don't give a shit about. Yeah, ugh. it makes sense to me. This is a good note to end on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Consider this, if you will. Yeah, so um, if you want bitches or niggas to, just to, to follow suit, just stop caring about them, mm. and they will be all yours. Anyway, that's an awful, awful out. <laughs> but thanks for being here, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> this was fun. We'll talk again. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of a downer right there. <laughs> Such a weird note to end on, but uh, Ryan had to run to the show. And so we're going to have to leave you with that proverbial punch to your heart gut until next week here on Deep Shit. Um, And just a little side note, this is my first fully self-produced episode of Deep Shit. I mean, I've been editing the last couple episodes myself, but... This time I recorded everything and edited everything myself. Hey, and I can pull them off and on. Mommy, wow. 
I'm a big kid. Now I'm singing over completely different music that's playing in the background right now. That's just bad for your ears. But yes, I recorded this thanks to the help of the Alesis IO Dock for iPad. Man, it was quite a find. And thanks to my buddy Josh Grossfent for showing me this crazy, crazy ting uh, that I just got on, as opposed to George Jetson, who's always trying to get off. Right, Jane? What? That's disgusting. He's always trying to get off. Get me off. Get me off, Jane. Luckily, he says this crazy thing, and it's appropriate for a kid's show. Anyway, guys, um, go do something that you like to do right now, but make sure to be considerate of others and consider how it fits into your life. No, that's, I don't know what I'm saying. Just, just go be happy. Ugh, that's too much pressure. Just go be. Ugh, that's even more pressure. I'm going to start, start, I'm going to start topping. I'm going to start topping. I meant to say I'm going to stop talking. And I'm going to start topping, you know, because you're ice cream. And I need to put some sprinkles on you. I'm going to start topping you, ice cream listeners. Ugh, Jesus Christ. And me. Bye. Bye.